Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. And a key block by the left guard, Tom Ackerman. And right here, let's go downstairs to Bonnet. Marv, if you remember that uh, big run Robert Holcomb had on the first drive, one of the guys responsible on help busting him loose was Tom Ackerman. Tom Ackerman up front, and this is a unit that has played very well. A good night for Eddie George. 21 carries, 74 yards. The left guard, Tom Ackerman, with the block that, that set him free. It's a first down. Yes, indeed. It is time for NFL picks against the spread. Tom Ackerman with you. And we have had some success in this segment, as it turns out. And week three is when we decided to start doing it. We didn't do it in week one or two, but we did it in week three and went 10 and five. Week four wasn't as good. Not terrible. Six, seven and one, though, is not a winning record. It is a touch under 500. Six, seven and one was our record in week four. Last week, we made another comeback. We were eight and four. Against the spread. This is picking NFL games, which I will do here in the next few minutes. So if you have a pencil, jot these down if you're interested in that kind of thing. Uh, I would say it's a pretty good record, Drew. 24, 16, and 1. That's winning more often than not. So we'll take a look at these right now. Now, we don't pick Thursday games, obviously. We don't pick the early games, like the one in London that's going on right now. The Ravens leading the Titans with under 10 minutes to go. 21-13, Lamar Jackson doing his thing for the Baltimore Ravens and the Titans uh, without uh, Tannehill, who got hurt. So we'll see if they can pull one out here. It's 21-13, still a one-possession game. These are the Sunday games, though, that we are going to pick. We do Sundays, Sunday night, and Monday night. Are we ready? Let's take a look at the noon games first. We did not have a game uh, from the Chiefs today. They already played on Thursday and won. Wasn't a thrilling, scintillating victory, but it was a victory nonetheless. 19 8 over Denver did what they had to do to win the game. Or as Joel Bushbaum used to tell us, that's a real throwback. Drew, that's going way back on this Sunday. I used to do a Sunday night show with Joel Bushbaum. He said, You, you do what you have to do to win the damn game. That was Joel. Uh, here are the games at noon today. Washington at Atlanta. The Commanders at the Falcons. Falcons one and a half point favorites. 
love Bijan Robinson, the running back for Atlanta. He is shifty. He is also on both of my fantasy teams, so I keep a very close eye on him. I love the fact that he's getting the ball more. That helps me out. Uh, he is really, really good. He can catch the ball out of the backfield. He can run the football. Uh, the Commanders have won back-to-back games against the Falcons in this series. I do not think that's going to happen today. I don't love the Falcons' uh, passing game, but it was much better last week. Uh, Desmond Ritter is starting to throw the ball a little bit better, and with that run game now, it opens up the passing game. We've been saying this since the beginning of the forward pass is that if you run the ball effectively, you can open up things in the passing game, and that's what the Falcons have discovered. They are playing at home against the two and three commanders, and I like the Falcons to go four and two and to cover the one-and-a-half-point spread. Falcons minus one-and-a-half. What else do we have today? Minnesota at Chicago. Ugh. Ugly. Uh, the Bears haven't, well, you know, the Bears, to their credit, did win uh, a recent game, and that's nice and all. Uh, Minnesota at Chicago, a couple of one and four teams. I think the Vikings as a three-point favorite today is a bit ambitious. Um, they did win at Washington. The Bears did 40-20. to 20. Um, I think that uh, this is trouble for the Vikings. Uh, they don't have Justin Jefferson. I think it has exposed them offensively. Uh, he's out with a hamstring injury and... As much as I think the Vikings are desperate and kind of have to win this game, I think the Bears are going to ugly it up, and I think they're going to give their fans a little treat and uh, find a way to win this thing, and I like them covering the three. Even if they were to lose it by two, they would still cover, even if they lost it. So I'm going to go Bears plus three here. I'm surprised that I just did that, but I'm doing it. Bears plus three. Seattle at Cincinnati, I have been impressed with the Seahawks. They have been better than I thought they would be. Uh, Joe Burrow is dealing with a bit of a calf injury, but he looks much better uh, as the Bengals beat Arizona. Uh, I think that the Seahawks are going to get some players back, but I'm going to go Cincinnati here, three-point favorite at home. Uh, I'm going to let them go three and three here and cover the three-point spread. Uh, Cincinnati minus three in that noon game. The 49ers at Cleveland. Oof. Uh, Deshaun Watson is out for this game. The Browns are going to be up against the best team in football, the 49ers. I've said it every week, Drew. Every single week. The 49ers are the best team in the NFL. They are nine-and-a-half-point favorites. That is bad news. That's a bad spread to take the Browns real bad. I'm going to go 49ers minus nine and a half. They're going to win that game by 10 or more. Aren't they? Come on. I'd be surprised if not 49ers minus nine and a half Carolina at Miami. Carolina's zero and five dolphins are really good. They're four and one. They're 14 point favorites. That is a huge, huge spread. Uh, but the dolphins are hitting on all strides right now. Uh, the Panthers got blown out by Detroit. They have no offense to speak of. I like the Dolphins big in this thing, even 14. I'm going to go Dolphins minus 14. I think they can cover that today. If it was any more than 14, I would hesitate, but I like 14. If you end up with a push, I'm sorry. What else do we have at noon? How about Indianapolis at Jacksonville? The Colts, I've been riding the Colts all year. I'm going to go Colts again. Just because Colts plus four at Jacksonville, 
New Orleans, and I know the Colts are dealing with injuries and their quarterback's been hurt. I just, I don't know. There's something about them that I that I dig. So I'm going to go with it, even though Jacksonville has played some good ball. They, they come back from London, and I think it'll be a close game. I like the Colts plus four on that one. New Orleans at Houston. Uh, this game is the Saints minus two. I'm going to go Saints there on the road, minus two, giving the Texans two points on the road. Patriots have been absolutely horrendous. They play at the Raiders today. Vegas, two-and-a-half-point favorites. Oh, that's a, that's a little spread there. Vegas, minus two-and-a-half. I think New England's going to keep this game close, um, but that's not enough to give the Patriots uh, I th- I think New England's been facing some good defenses here recently. Raiders aren't that great of a defense, but I'm going to go Raiders at home minus two and a half. I can't pick the Patriots here. They've been just brutal. Detroit at Tampa Bay. Buccaneers coming off the bye. Uh, Detroit's a really good team, though. They are minus three. I think that I will stay with them. I'm going to go Lions minus three on the road. Arizona at the Rams. Rams are a seven-point favorite. They've been playing, eh, you know, they're two and three. The, the Cardinals actually kind of have their number there. Uh, they've won, surprisingly, the last two visits to SoFi Stadium, although, again, SoFi Stadium is anything but a home field advantage for the Rams. Uh, Cooper Cup uh, was back from a hamstring injury, but uh, the Eagles knocked him off anyway. I think I'll take the points there. I'll go Arizona plus seven at the Rams. Philadelphia at the Jets, this should be no contest. I cannot understand why it's only six and a half points. I think Eagles are just going to drop the hammer on them. This Eagles seems awesome. Eagles minus six and a half at the Jets. Giants at Buffalo. Bills are a huge favorite in this one. Goodness gracious. 15 and a half point favorite at home against the Giants. Wow. Um, you know what, Drew? I... I, I, I kind of, I kind of going to take the Giants plus 15 and a half. Saquon might be back. Well, and you know, Brian Dables from Buffalo. I mean, I know that it's just a little side story, but like it shows some pride. If you're the New York Giants, I'm going to go Giants plus 15 and a half. And then that's the Sunday night game. And then Cowboys at chargers on Monday night. Dallas is a one and a half point favorite in this one. This should be a really fun game back and forth. Exciting. Uh, I do like this chargers team though. You got to be careful. Now Dallas has a really good defense and I I find it hard to believe that Dallas as good as they've been would be three and three, but um, Dallas is a one and a half point favorite at the chargers. I'll take the points chargers plus one and a half. There you have it. Lutz fan and steel is next. We are very pleased to bring in live here at 1118 Lutz Fan and Steel. Thank you for always being with us on these Sundays. I want to say that up front, that I really appreciate this. You have been with us throughout the season. And Lutz, when you join us, you give great insight uh, to this team. It is a very valuable time for us and for our listeners. So thank you. Yeah, you're more than welcome. Always a lot of fun, and thanks for having me. It's great to talk to you. How have you been? Uh, What has this past week been like without the team playing in uh, MLS competition? Yeah, I think it was good. You know, we can uh, focus a bit more again on the training. We had lots of of, uh, double-headers during the week, so you uh, sometimes just really prepare from game to game. So that's 
that uh, little match break uh, gave us an opportunity to refocus, uh, to to look at certain things, to really also, uh, yeah, get ready for that last game and get ready for the playoffs. Yeah, absolutely. And you have your last game coming up on the 21st against Seattle. And then the playoffs, we don't know uh, when that will be, right, Lutz? So we, we have an idea that it is going to be end of October, early November, but we don't have a date yet. I will tell you the tickets are selling like uh, no. <laughs> like yeah, hotcakes. We also don't have an opponent yet. You know, it's uh, uh, it's very very tough uh, in that area uh, playing out that eight and nine. So there's like four teams who, who really fighting for it. And then just uh, actually on midweek before the first play uh, playoff day, uh, there will be this eighth versus ninth wildcard game. So which would be then obviously the winner our uh, our first our first opponent. So it's it's really open till just uh, three or four days before kickoff. I know. I get the question a lot. Like, when is the date? Do we know? We just don't know. But we, you can plan for the 21st against Seattle and then be ready for what could be a lot of fun moving forward. But this is different this time of year for sure. The playoffs are different. Uh, teams are that much better, that much more equipped, that much more experienced and ready to go. I was asked this, Lutz. Before we went on the air this morning on a different show, Total Information AM, and the host of the show, Scott Jagow, asked me, how do you approach the playoffs at your city? I, if you are a city, I said you don't change. You don't change the way that you play because I think the way that city has played has been a distinct advantage and has worn some teams out. I love their style. Do you agree with that? Yeah, uh, I would even make it simpler. We, we we can't change the thing we do because that's what we do. <laughs> you know, it's uh, it's our way of play. We are uh, we don't want to uh, create a, a new tactical approach or how do we play in the playoffs. We play the city style. As simple as that. Um, uh, I think what is a great a great thing for the playoffs is that we have a, a home advantage. Uh, you know, that's what really was that important to finish in the top four because we created. Uh, yeah, I think a fortress here in St. Louis, and people don't like to play us here. They don't like to play us away as well, but definitely not so much uh, in St. Louis. And I think that uh, just the way you will approach every other game, I think you will not see a much different approach when we're playing against Seattle this coming weekend or in the first playoff game. Um, home games are there to, to, to fight, to grind, and to win, and that's what we're trying to do. And then, of course, and this will also be a question for Bradley Carnell, the coach of City, but how do you keep that edge uh, knowing that this game doesn't mean uh, anything to you in the standings coming up against Seattle, but certainly it means a lot to, to see how you play moving forward? Yeah, I think it, it means actually a lot to us. You know, uh, looking at the standings, yeah, you could get the impression uh, they already finished first, so uh, they don't take it that serious, but that's definitely not the case. Uh, number one, we still have one record to break, which is uh, having the most points ever an expansion team make with a win. We would do get do get that with a draw. It would be we would equalize the record. But then I think much much more important is that uh, you know I think it's our responsibility to when we're playing at home uh, to actually uh, treat our fans. Uh, our fans were there for us the, the, the whole year, unconditional. Uh, they they support us uh, in, in in any moment, uh, and I think uh, that's a game where we can really go out there and, and, and do it again uh, for the people in City Park and uh, give our best performance possible. When you look at this team and the ability to do what it can do, how far back, Lutz, did you start putting together this group? I mean, w- when you 
when you look back to 2020, take us back to that time when you when you got the job. What was the first order of business, and how did you set about creating this foundation that we see starting to flourish today? I mean, the first the first part was uh, to really uh, be on the same page uh, with the ownership from day one to to stick to the playing style, to the DNA, to the philosophy we have. I mean, that was the uh, the, the most important, and I think that's the, the biggest milestone we had. Um, and then I think uh, the first the first part was more or less to to get uh, yeah deep dig into the football history to do a lot about when it comes to academy and 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 to use football. But when it comes to the first team. I pretty much had a list of players very early on, I would say late 2020, which, uh, um, yeah, which I thought could be available uh, for our, our important transfer windows. Uh, I started to be in touch with a few agents and players which uh, came in the end of the day over here. Um, I think the next milestone was, of course, to get uh, uh, the head coach uh, installed, which Bradley was here one year before. That was a, a very important part to not get a head coach in uh, too short of a time to prepare. You know, for for Bradley, yeah, St. Louis was already when we kicked off at the place where he stayed and lived for a year. That's where his kids went to school. That's where where his wife uh, is here and has her friends. So that's a very, very important part that uh, um, the coaching staff doesn't feel like it's something something new for them. So that was a, an important part. And then I go back to that uh, MLS Next Pro, having that opportunity to, 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 to I would say, learning by doing. Uh, play in the Western Conference in, in the reserve uh, level, but then also having the opportunity to bring our spine six months over here before. So obviously these negotiations have been going on, uh, I would say, a, a year from the start or even a bit more, but once we signed them six months prior to the start. And I think that, you know, we have to be very, very honest and, and very clear about that. Having the coach here that early, having the players here six months earlier, it gave us uh, a certain a certain opportunity to grow together, to gel, to be already a team. Once, yeah, once we started training uh, in January with the first team, there was already like 12, 13 players plus the coaching staff who knew each other since, since half a year. That's not the usual expansion team. We were, um, I think, we made good use out of the opportunity to, yeah, to use uh, the next pro as a kind of. Uh, I would say a test run, uh, a test pilot uh, for a pilot project. So how are we going to approach the the first ever MLS season? It is really remarkable how this academy has made its way through the area as well. You have U15s, U17s, uh, and a number of different players competing and, and performing locally. Can you tell us how that academy looks? It continues to play right now. Yeah, I think uh, that's something, you know, where we were very clear from the start that uh, football here is so big and uh, there are so many talents here that we want to uh, really push for a top academy program. So now it's called MLS Next, uh, which is uh, basically having the U15, we are playing with the U15s, the U16s and the U17s at the highest level you can play in the United States. And what for me was the most fascinating thing we Basically, now in season three, in season one and season two, we made it to the playoffs, into the national playoffs, uh, finished third, finished fourth. So uh, to do that with a brand new team is, is, is unheard of. Unfortunately, you know, when it comes to the media, when it comes to, to the public, it, it somehow disappears a little bit because everybody focuses on the big boys and focuses on the glamour of the MLS. But for me personal, 
and 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 also for for Bradley and the coaching stuff, uh, our our academy that's our that's our future, and we do have a, a lot a lot of of love I would say for that, and we put a lot of time and a lot of uh, passion into it, because you know I always say the MLS players, the professionals right now, that's the moment, that's right now, but if you going down in the age groups, that's the future, and there will be a big group of players which playing now still. A smaller club or going into a high school or don't even play in a, in a bigger club yet, which will be sooner or later. They will be in the city setup and probably also represent the first team in City Park. I think that's what what uh, is our job as a as a club. We want to be strong in the community. You know, we want to give our own kids a big opportunity. And look at Miggy Perez. Look at Karen Glover. There is so many more out there. And having in the first team already two youngsters, homegrown youngsters, having the the debut played in the MLS. I mean, you know, that gives younger football players, uh, yeah, a dream, a dream to work hard for, and we will support them with everything we can as a club. It's well said, and there's so much that's going on with this organization right now, and that is a great example of it, out in the community and in discussion with so many different people. When they talk about this team, it, it has many, many different layers, and it's, that's well laid out for us. We appreciate it. Can't wait to catch up with you again. I always love these talks. Great to spend some time with you. Good luck Saturday against Seattle. Thank you so much, Tom. Thank you. Lutz Fanonsteel, Sporting Director, St. Louis City SC. John Mosale. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. Cardinals president of baseball operations is next. Bullsman swings and he hits a drive. He hits a slammer. Graybar, your distributor for electrical and data comm needs. Billikens win. Billikens win. Once again, from the Stiefel Financial Sports Studio, Tom Ackerman. It is 11.30. Great to be joined by Cardinals President of Baseball Operations, John Mozalock. We just had Lutz Fannin-Steel, sporting director, with us. We have Tom Stillman, the chairman of the Blues, following Mo. Mo, great to be with you this morning. It's like the executive hour on KMOX, uh, representing the, <laughs> the three big pro teams here downtown. Well, it certainly feels like Groundhog Day for me with this show, but uh, it's been a long time. <laughs> yeah, I, you have been. I, I do want to thank you for all of this, Mo. I mean, you, you have been great to us, and you have given us uh, a great insight as to what goes on in the organization. We appreciate it very much, and I know that um, you have been dedicated in making yourself available, so we appreciate that. Well, that's sweet, but let's talk baseball. Let's talk some ball. Let's talk some ball. What 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 do you see when you're watching the playoffs? Is it is there 
For, I, I will say for me, the sting is not what it was last year. When the Cardinals were ousted in two games, it was hard to watch the postseason because you wondered what might have been. I think because we have been able to digest what's happened over the last couple of months doesn't make it any easier, but there is a task at hand, it appears, to, to get better for 24. That motivation has been in play for a while. Oh, yeah, for sure. Going back to the trading deadline, right? Um, you know, adding as much talent as we could. We we knew where we were at the time. If we had just kept it status quo and, and played out, yeah, we probably would have won a few more games. But in the end, we really weren't positioning ourselves for, for the future. And I think, uh, you know, we're certainly excited about some of those additions that we got. Obviously, uh, you know, Monty, going to pitch tonight for the Texas Rangers, but we're certainly happy with uh, our return we got with Roby and uh, Sagisi for that deal. And and so, as I always tell people, like trades are should never be viewed on the day they're made. They should be uh, look in the rearview mirror and see how they play out over time. And and so, you know, we do feel better about what we were able to add in, in terms of some arms. It certainly uh, added a lot of depth in our minor league system and. You know, as we look to, to really prepare for 2024, how can we augment what we already have to get back to our winning ways? And, you know, that's the challenge at hand. That is some, seems to be a challenge. I mean, I said earlier in the show, you know, when I look at what the Cardinals need to do here and add pitching, this is not you, – you, you, you don't just add three pitchers. You can't just snap your fingers and do it. There is going to be – I see two things here. One, there is a risk – in signing pitchers to a long-term contract, there's also competition to do so. Uh, that makes it a double challenge. Do you see it that way? Uh, yeah. I, I, I don't think you could argue with that way of positioning it. I do think like when you're in the open market, I think free agents tend to look at a couple things. One is, you know, do they, do they feel like they're in a con- competitive environment? Like, you know, not every player wants one, but many players do. In other words, they want to win. Um, they also want to be in a city that they feel comfortable with. And, you know, St. Louis has always been a pretty desirable baseball city to, to come and play in. So I think that, that bodes well. And there's also an opportunity, um, which always becomes a, a real thing. Like, obviously, the, the, the top-tier free agents know they're going to be signed. They know they're going to be given the ball every fifth day or if they're a position player, hit number three in the order or something like that. But – there are players that are really just looking for a chance. And I think, you know, given the way we finished this year, understanding that we want to get our, ourselves back, I, I do think when we start looking at depth pieces and things like that, that could make us better, um, I think we are going to have some opportunity in, in, in there to be out there uh, trying to improve. So I really feel like if you look at it in those sort of three aspects and, and, knowing that the strong history of winning here, you know, I think we have a chance to, to do okay in this uh, market. You know, I looked at that ceremony that you were a part of with Adam Wainwright and Albert Pujols is there and Yadier Molina is there and Adam Wainwright is there. It really is the end of that run. It's not the end of an era necessarily, but it is the end of, you know, the, your your links to, Cardinals world championships are gone. I guess one of the things is how do you reestablish that, that swagger, that, that, that feeling again, that, that is also part of it. Yeah. I I think, look, I I mean, obviously history will be, tell us everything, but 
when you when you look back, I mean, obviously that was a uh, a very special time and and one that's pretty unique when you're able to sign somebody like an Albert Pujols and back in '99 and the following year get Yadier Molina and then trade for Adam Wainwright in in '03 for the '04 season. But these are you know St. Louis Cardinals baseball royalty and. You know, that's why we find ourselves sometimes in the trade market to go get a, a Paul Goldschmidt, a Matt Holiday, a, a Nolan Arnato, because, you know, we understand that that the expectations here are, are real. And so, you know, obviously we'd like to draft well. We'd like to do well in the international market where we're signing uh, young free agents down there. But the reality is, is like you're not always going to, get lucky or, or, you know, produce the type of players like that. And and that's why we've added some of those types of players over the years. And, and as we you know, really look at 2024, um, you know, we've been very clear. We know we have to improve our pitching. We know we have to be more consistent. We know we have to be able to eat innings. Um, you know, when you think about times when, when things aren't going well and, and, you know, it's not always sort of the chicken and the egg argument, but the fact is, is when your starting pitching doesn't go deep, you're down early in games, um, you immediately have two things happen. One is you put an enormous amount of pressure on your offense just to try to catch up. And number two, you, you end up putting a lot of strain on your bullpen because they get overused. And over 162, that's, that's a lot of work or, or a lot of demands. And so, you know, I think for us, it's, it's just understanding, like, if we can get that consistency in our rotation, a lot of things will improve from that. I completely understand that and hear that. It, did you look at the bullpen in that you felt like – do you feel like you need a strong overhaul of what you have, or do you like and, and you need to add a piece or two? Is it – when you say pitching, it is – how much does the bullpen weigh in? Oh, it's in there. Um you know, I definitely think when when everybody is right, i.e. Helsley, Gio, Romero, that's that's a pretty good back of end. I think somebody like a Libertor might end up emerging as being one of those types of elite arms out of the bullpen. Obviously, King was very consistent. But, you know, the one thing you know when you, when you do this job is 162 over 187. That means you play 162 games over 187 day season it's demanding it's it's not not every sport has that and so making sure that that we have enough bench or depth or breath to get through that is, is something that we just want to be cognizant of and and i know at the trading deadline you can pick up help and and that's great but we got to be able to exit spring training knowing we have confidence both in our rotation and our bullpen I know you had one departure on your staff that I'm aware of, uh, Nicholas, and your assistant hitting coach. I, I know I've learned long ago not to assume anything, but I will assume since we've now been removed from the end of the season two weeks that it, if it hasn't been announced now that there don't seem to be that many subtractions from the staff. But you, you would want to working through that okay. right now. Um, yeah, like we spent a little time last week on it definitely talking through some things and, and if there are going to be some possible role changes and stuff like that, uh, not just at the big league level, but also um, some things at the minor league level. So uh, 
all the department heads are weighing in on, on, on really where they um, envision things moving forward. And so I would say over the next week, week and a half, we'll try to nail all that down. Obviously, I'd love all personnel issues from a staffing standpoint addressed and dealt with. So by the time we get to you know early November, you know we can hit the ground running and, and start worrying about the roster. I'm very sorry to hear about what happened in the Dominican Republic at your academy. Can you tell us uh, the latest that you know? Well, all I know is there was a group of armed men that um, ended up uh, at gunpoint tying up our our security guard and our manager, and then basically the group went room to room and stole items, mostly cash, a few other um, things like cell phones and that kind of thing. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's scary. And, and obviously major league baseball is aware of what's going on. Um, there were two other academies that were broken into this previous week and, and prior to that. So I think we're just going to have to really look at what our security strategies are and, uh, make sure we ramp up for the future, but, um, very scary. Obviously I think everybody involved decided that it was probably best just to go home, catch their breath. And, um, you know, we'll probably reopen that Academy here in a couple months when uh, we start prepping for 2024. Appreciate the update. And again, uh, our best to everyone there. And thanks to you for joining us. We appreciate it. We'll catch up with you real soon. All right. Sounds good. Thank you. Thank you. John Mosellock, Cardinals president of baseball operations. Tom Stillman is next on KMOX. Tom Ackerman. Had a chance to talk to Blues chairman Tom Stillman this morning. One of the first things we talked about, Jordan Bennington. He's been he's been great. He's really dialed in. He's really focused. And, you know, he really, that, that's not unusual. That's his, that's his normal setting. I think, uh, I think nationally, you know, there are a lot of commentators who are maybe looking at stats and not seeing his actual play last year that, uh, you know, I, I think they're a little more down on him than they should be. He's an excellent goalie. He, he uh, you know, he got he got hung out to dry at times last year, and I think he's going to be excellent this year. I would agree with you, and I think that on defense, at times you do need to look and see, you know, how they're performing in front of him. Do you see an improvement there in terms of, I mean, well, I mean, you could just go on and say last year, the blues are sitting there looking at Perunovic and Scandella not being available. Now they are available, but you have the depth to be able to scratch them. Yeah. And, and, uh, I, I think that that group has something to prove they're all, you know, really good players and character men. And, um, they're not happy with last year, and you can feel that in you know in the practices of training camp and in in their play. I think they've been really strong. You know, they tweak the system a little bit. Um, I think we're going to see good things from them. And of course, the focus will remain on, and for good reason, Robert Thomas and Jordan Cairo. They are inked to long-term contracts. Where do you see that duo in this stage of their career right now? I think they are. You know they're ready to kind of take the next step and be you know the first line over the boards um you know robert thomas a true first line center Kairou and thomas counted on to do a lot of scoring along with uh with bucci so i mean that that is a that's a true first line and um i think they'll step up and, and fill that role 
And as we're speaking right now, we're still awaiting official word on Pavel Buchnevich's injury, an upper body injury suffered last night. So we'll hope the best for him as things move forward. Tom Stillman is with us. Uh, this uh, philosophy right now, it's hard to put into words where you are. It, it's, it doesn't feel like a rebuild. It also doesn't feel like a team that's considered to be a Stanley Cup favorite. Are, do you feel like you're somewhere in the middle? How did you approach pleasing your fans, but at the same time growing for the future? You know, it, it is uh, a, a mix of, of uh, objectives like that. And, you know, it's probably not worth trying to apply a single term to it, retool, re this, re that. What we're trying to, what we're doing is uh, trying to remain competitive, put a competitive team on the ice while at the same time uh, building for the future. And, you know, I think Doug has assembled a collect, you know, a competitive group that, um, you know, we're going to fight. We're, we're hoping, we think, you know, our goal is to make the playoffs. Uh, and at the same time, you know, we are holding on to a lot of top draft choices. We've never had so many, you know, first round draft choices in our, um, in our system. I mean, it's a, our, our prospect camp is a totally different affair these days. So, um, I think we're, we're trying to do both things, trying to get better in the future while remaining competitive in, in, in the present. You have confidence in Doug Armstrong. You can hear it in your voice. And Army, it's really something when you look at this, you know how this league is. I mean, change happens often. He is the longest tenured GM in the NHL uh, and obviously in Blues history. Yeah, and I think there's uh, every good reason for that. He's done a tremendous job. And, and a big part of it is kind of what I've just described, but extending over 10, 12 years. I mean, we haven't had, you know, a really high draft choice for a long time, uh, you know, since Alex Petrangelo was chosen fourth in whatever year that was. You know, and, and when you're competitive for a long time like that, you just you don't get the top draft choices. And yet Doug has kept us very competitive, one of the best records in the in the league over his tenure. So um, he's shown the ability to do that while also obviously at the same time building a, you know, a cup winner. Doug Armstrong is a no-nonsense, uh, direct uh, individual. He, he, whether he's speaking to the media or I'm assuming behind closed doors, and I think your coach is the same way. I mean, Craig Berube, who also is one of the longest tenured coaches in the league, keeps things simple, and is that the key moving forward? And what is your confidence level in Chief? Uh, confidence in Chief is very high, and I think that is part of it. He's direct. He doesn't play doesn't play mind games. He doesn't uh, you know, mince words. While he's also, you know, not you know disrespectful of players. He just this is what we expect. This is what we're going to do. Um, and that kind of clear communication is important. I, I think when you say those two are very direct, and yeah, uh, that that kind of communication suits me as well. So I mean, that's that's uh, that is a common trait, I guess, for Doug and me. Tom Stillman with us on KMOX. Always great to have him. The Blues and the NHL, uh, a product that has sustained and has gained some popularity when you take a step back and look at the league 
with all of this competition today, all over media and certainly for people's eyeballs and ears, where do you see the NHL? I mean, is it holding up? Is the product in a good place? I think the NHL is very healthy. You know, there's one issue out there, and I'll come back to that. But, you know, the projecting record revenues again this year, you know, the franchises, almost all of them individually are very strong. Um, sponsorships, everything are, you know, still growing tremendously. I think the game is the best it's ever been um, with its speed and skill. Um, and I, I think the game is well suited to younger people that want more constant action, something that's moving all the time. I think so. I, I think we're in a in, in a really good place. Um, the asterisk, as you know, is the is the Ballet's Diamond Sports Group situation. Um, on a league-wide basis, that revenue is just a small, small percentage of you know league-wide revenues. Um, but it is important to those teams involved. Um, so we're hoping we're hoping that uh, that comes to a favorable resolution. Was it beneficial to have ESPN get back and put its hands on the league again? I mean, having a triple header to start the season certainly got a lot of attention on SportsCenter, et cetera. Yeah, I think it's, it's very helpful to be back on ESPN, both for the games, and it gives them a lot more reason to talk about hockey, you know, on their other shows. Also, TSN has done a heck of a job. You know, they've uh, they, they've been excellent as well. So I, I think those U.S. rights deals have have been a real positive. Staying locally, is there still optimism that you can land the World Juniors here in St. Louis? Um, you know, we're kind of in the silent period right now, so uh, we're not sure. Um, we sure hope so. We think, uh, you know, hockey has taken off here, and um, that should be recognized. And, you know, St. Louis shows up for events, uh, but, you know, we'll have to see. How do you feel uh, about Centene Community Ice Center currently you know, it did get out into the news that they had defaulted on a bond payment. Uh, does Centene Community Ice Center and the Legacy Ice Foundation have the backing of the team in that way? Well, you know, it's a, it's a complex structure out there. We are actually a tenant. Mm -hmm. so, um, and Maryland Heights owns the facility and is uh, on the, responsible on those bonds. It's kind of unfortunate the way that would handled it. It suggests that it's a, a more dire situation than it is, and you know I think it'll it'll get worked out. And you know it, it's not going to close down. I mean, if, if I, I don't know how much time you spent there, but it is just buzzing with activity at all times. Youth hockey, and um, you know it's managed to attract some big events and you know there are other ones scheduled in the future so it, uh, it it's going to work out uh, it does have a lot of buzz that's for sure big hockey events music venue right outside yeah. i mean it is yeah it is rolling for sure a final thing for you tom just the blues also have a big responsibility in bringing entertainment to downtown st louis and i i just thought in an overall picture how you view downtown continuing on as a great district for sports and business and the the things that you evaluate there you have city just to your west that has built a magnificent complex you have enterprise center which 
again, was rocking last night. You have Bush Stadium down the street. You have the Dome, which has brought indoor football. Uh, St. Louis University, obviously. A racetrack across the river. Where, where do you see St. Louis right now as a sports town? How can we promote it better? How can we be better? Well, you know, it is unusual, uh, really, around the country for a city to have kept all of its sports venues right downtown. Um, and that 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 is something that is unique, and it's important to St. Louis. I think we're seeing improvement in the policing and the security, but we've got to get to a point where people feel comfortable coming in early, going to bars and restaurants, and then after games, going out and doing something else. And um, you know, we're we're trying to do everything we can do. The Cardinals are our city is to make sure that happens. But you know, we've I think. You know, we need to see more of a security presence, um, a greater police presence. I think the city of St. Louis has to prioritize that, uh, you know, and, and I think there's progress being made there. Tom Stillman has been chairman and governor of the St. Louis Blues for over a decade now, and it's great to catch up with you again. I've always appreciated uh, your openness and kindness, Tom, uh, to us and to Blues fans in general. So thank you very much. I appreciate it, Tom. You've been you've been great. You you set a you set the standard here. So thank you very much. Thanks very much. Have a great day. There he is, you too. the chairman of the Blues, Tom Stillman. We thank you for joining us, sports on a Sunday morning on KMOX. For our producer Drew Young, I'm Tom Ackerman. We say so long from downtown St. Louis. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 